We're back, Arian. We're back, and our boy Bill may or may not be joining us. Um, he said he was, but uh, who knows, man? But babies are unpredictable. Babies are unpredictable, baby. <laughs> and the nominations have closed, so no new nominations could be entered. But we could see some changes. Is that right? Maybe explain to people where we're at with nominations for the IPF World Championships. Yeah, so for the people that don't know what the IPF and maybe haven't learned, listened to the previous podcast, is they do a preliminary nominations and a final nomination. So typically preliminaries are 60 days out and finals are 21 days out. Preliminaries is, is where you send your, you put your team and your reserve athletes in case you want to switch them. After that, which is tonight to finish, you can't add any new lifters. You can't hide any lifters and then sneak them on last minute. You have to have them on there 60 days out. Between preliminaries and final nominations, you can maybe, you know, pull someone off the team, put someone from the reserves on the team or switch someone's weight class. Once that final nomination says 21 days out, your weight class is locked in. If you don't make that weight at Worlds, you don't get to compete. So at that point from, from 21 days until the day of the competition, you can only just, you know, remove someone if they back out. Yep. And um, it should be noted that the USA team does not has, have reserves. Yep. So the positive is, we were wondering, is USAPL going to submit a team? USAPL has submitted a team for men and women, all the age divisions. But the difference this year, um, and I don't know the reason why, and I know I'm sure people are going to ask, is uh, they said we're only taking the first place lifters. So for my team for the Open, the lifters who won the Nationals, the National Champs, got the invite. You can choose whether you're interested or not interested. If you're not interested, we can't fill that spot in. Which is huge. Um, because... Things happen leading into a nationals or sorry, into a world's like right now, even if just to hold the spot, even if right now, everybody, every single U S national champion is like, I'm coming, just fill it in. I'm coming, but life happens. And some of these people can't make it. There isn't going to be a number two waiting in the wings. And we've seen, for instance, Charles Apoko was the number two, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and ended up going and winning two years in a row, becoming like, you know, a phenom in the six, six kilo class. So sometimes LS McLean uh, famously has won two world titles, both times as a reserve. It's big, you know? So with the U S no longer having that, if, and it's more likely when somebody can't make it, there's going to be holes, which a storyline could emerge if the U.S. might be shaky where they don't win as many titles this year and another nation, particularly maybe France and the women's or, or whatever, it might be that where like the number one doesn't end up going. There is no reserve lifter. They're just straight up open now in that weight class. They're unrepresented. It just makes it more difficult. We, right now, it may not look like that on the surface, but the way team points act up, this is actually a storyline. This could change things. This could change history with like legacies in terms of the USAPL. Yeah. I mean, if someone, you know, we haven't, we haven't uh, collected any money yet. So if it comes time when it comes to buying plane tickets, paying the team fee hotels, maybe someone can't afford like, Hey, I'm not going to go. Maybe it's too difficult with COVID travel restrictions. Maybe someone gets injured or something like mm. that is yeah. You, you may have someone who is nominated, you know, top five or maybe in first place from us and uh, they don't show up and there's a new champion. And also, like you said, for the team points, now, maybe instead of scoring between eight lifters, you're down to seven or down to six. You lose one person maybe was going to guarantee you 12 points and maybe you now have a new team champion, which uh, I can't remember the last time 
that U.S. for the men and women for the championship hasn't uh, won the team award. It's tough, man. It's tough to, you were the head coach. This isn't your, it's not on you. This is totally outside of your, you can't do nothing about it. You're like, fuck, if this happens under my watch and we don't win the team award and you're like, okay, well, what does this say? Have you thought about that? What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, it's one thing you have to think about. These are the situations that like, you know, someone may not be able to go defend their national title. We may not be able to, you know, win the team award. Uh, but like you said, it's not up to me. It's, I didn't get a saying it. Uh, we can't do anything about it now. It's something you can't control. So what I was focusing on when I was getting the information is let's get these invites in. As soon as I got the email, like, Hey, it's a go ahead. Boom. That night I was getting my email ready, saying out to lifters that, like, Hey, here is the invite. Here's the deadline. Get everything done in time because we were on a, a short time period from nationals to when this nominations are due. So I was just in a rush to get everything done as far as getting the preliminary nominations in because IPF has that strict deadline. You don't get it in, we don't care. You're not coming. Yeah, well, I mean, it is, it is. Nobody gets extra favors. Um, and I was in like the DMs with you guys talking about like, you guys are hustling like bunnies to get these in on time. Like it's it was a crunch, man. Everyone knows, you know, the whole storyline leading into this. Will US get a team in there? Um, you know, obviously for the North American championships, even though US was hosting, they didn't get a team in. Are they going to send lifters? Is there going to be, what's, are they going to be accepted? How is this going to shake up? And then we, we got the news like, holy shit, they're going to send. And then we were in the DMs. You're like, fuck man, I'm hustling on this right now. And it was, it's almost like, look at, let's just get a team period. And um, we don't necessarily know why there wasn't number twos or reserves that are going to be invited as well, but it might've been a timing issue. We're thinking, um, I mean, I don't want to draw a storyline that might not be there, but yeah. And, and just beyond USAPL too, um, we weren't sure, like, you know, there was no world championships last year. We have these world championships this year, but you know, COVID is still like, you know, going up and down different countries and different regions and travel restrictions and getting visas are difficult and everything like that. So we were, we weren't sure outside of Europe, what other countries are going to show up and, a lot of times people wait till like the last day or the last few days to submit their nominations because they're getting all their paperwork and everything ready. And so at first it was kind of slow. We're like, hey, we're not seeing any teams. And these last few days, man, they're pumping now. Oh, this country's in, this country's in, oh, this lifter's in, this lifter in. Now we got this huge championship uh, for now that's planned. Um, yeah, among the other countries beside the U.S. that's popped up, Russia kind of waited till the last minute there. And um, they obviously got some shooters. You have uh, in 59, 66 for the men's Fedoshenko, Glad Kick, former world champions that are returning to, you know, possibly regain titles. You got Angelina, who's going to go toe to toe with Jessica Bittner and Jasmine Penn for the 76 kilo title. And she's at the forefront anyways up there. Um, we got some Russians out there. We also have. So let's let's start taking a look. I think we're, we're, we're transitioning already, my friend. So let's want to take a look at the men. Some of the storylines here. <clears throat> for the men's take a look at the 59 kilo class so obviously for a little while there russia didn't send in a team nominations until the last minute and um sir sergey fedeshenko whom is it seems like a, he's a freaking unbeatable dragon in there and the, he's a 59 kilo dragon and all these these knights are going to take him out he pops up glad kick joins the 66s who were previously on 
the the nomination list with Daniel Clements, Pena. It's a super stacked division. We got Eddie Berglin and um, also a Libyan lifter here, Ahmed, who I'm not familiar with, but um, I'll have to do some due diligence. I mean, some of these nations, they pop up um, like Libya, Bulgaria, and they're not on open powerlifting. You will not have seen them coming. And some of these nominations, you don't know if they're 100% accurate because some people do that. We've seen that before. Um, and some of these nations, Libya, Bulgaria, some of these nations don't post their nationals or don't post it where we're finding them in the language we're going to find them. So some of these people are going to fly under the radar and they kind of surprise you. It happens every year. Yeah. Um, and looking at the 74s, bit of an omission here. The memes are already popping up. <laughs> are they the me I, I i pop in here and i've already seen some memes popping up so cats out the bag i'm not going to say why or anything like that or speak for him but uh there is no taylor atwood in the 74 kilo open and as arian had said already only the national champion was getting the invite so unfortunately even though U.S. has a stack 74-kilo division that would fare, like Taylor's obviously the cream of the crop, period, in powerlifting probably, but beneath him, you have a stack division. And unfortunately, in the open, U.S. was not going to be able to send any lifters. We are not going to have Taylor Atwood in the 74s. What are your thoughts on that, sir? Yeah, definitely. We had talked about in a previous episode what would happen if like USAPL didn't go at all, plus you have other countries like Australia and New Zealand, of which classes would take a hit. One of the classes we talked about would take a huge hit would be the 74s because all the top 74s in open IPF are USAPL or New Zealand. And so, you know, we have no Taylor, we have no New Zealand. And so we're going to have a new world champion. It's going to be exciting that it's going to be a battle between these lifters that are nominated and see who would come out on top. But maybe for some people, just a little bit disappointing that that weight class isn't as interesting for them as far as like pushing the limit of what's capable of on the di different lifts in the total. 100%. I mean, if you're looking at it, the individuals too, we're, we're, we're talking about, um, and I don't want to butcher his name, but the, the number one, the number one nomination right now is from Mongolia, preceded by a gentleman from France, gentleman from Kazakhstan. Like we're talking, this is diverse. Um, they may or may not, I don't know how great their English is going to be. Maybe it's good. Maybe we can get an interpreter, but I would like to have some of these people on the podcast hear their story, but even right down to, so after that, Sweden, Belarus, Poland, Italy, and then uh, Luke Rogers, number eight, we're talking Great Britain. So extremely international in the 74s. Um, some of the people I do recognize, like obviously Alexander Eriksson as a junior was a world champion in and out of equipment. And he's coming in fourth in terms of nominations. And if you look at his nomination total, that's two years ago. Sweden, their lifters, all their nominations are from two years ago. So don't believe them. Um, I mean, they're, they're authentic, but in terms of accuracy, nah, he's way past that by now. Um, and that's going to be the case for some of these guys, including the Italian Angelini, uh, Ricardo, he's, his, his nomination is way lower than he, he's actually capable of more. I think that's going to be the case for some of these people. So some it, it, the 74s will be interesting to watch. If you take out Taylor, I would, it might, it is going to be a whole lot more competitive anyways, but to not have the goat there. That's difficult because it would have been exciting how far he could push it. I don't like exhibition lifts where they don't have competitions lifting against themselves, except when it's like a freak like Taylor, where it's like, oh my God. 
and, and it's good if it like, you know, if it's happening at world championship, it's good that it's not every weight class. So you might have like, you know, one or two weight classes where someone's really far above. And it's like, yeah, it's like a all-star game or a home run derby. Let's just see what this, this person's capable of pushing limits. But then you still have all those other weight classes that are a battle too, or you can still see head to head or, you know, five people battling it out for the podium. So you get a little bit of everything. Right. 100%. Yeah. That's, that is the beauty of the world championships. Even if you have a, a big front runner, because it's the world, it's, it's just like watching the Olympics where, if your hometown country, your hometown country, if your home country is battling for silver or bronze, it's still exciting because it's the world championships and your person might be getting a bronze, like a medal period is huge. So that's where it's a, it feels different than the nationals. Nationals to an extent feels like there's the champ who wins and then, you know, everybody else because they're all trying to make it to the world level. But once you make it to the world level, it's not just the number one. If the number one is way ahead, you can have battles for silver and bronze that are exciting to watch. And we've seen that happen. Um, and and we'll, we're going to see it happen again. 83s, somebody U.S. does have um, Russell Orhe, unfortunately, due to COVID, because we weren't sure what we were going to get. Brett's not going to be there, um, who obviously him and Russell right now at the world championships are one and one. We need our rubber match. And that would decide it, at least for the time being, but not going to happen this year. And also Tim Managati, who also can total over 800 kilo, also from New Zealand, not going to make it, man. But we do have some, um, who knows? Because last time we had a lifter from Kazakhstan come in, he upset Brett Gibbs and took the title from him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, on paper, again, it looks like there's a big spread, but again, like we never know if the totals are correct or, you know, whether they just sandbagged the nationals to win, uh, whether they put in the, uh, you know, different numbers for like a specific lift or anything like that, how much progress they made. So there's a couple of names up there that, you know, could be progressing and be over 800, put some pressure on. And, and like, I mean, I can tell you for, for like an in instance where we are in Canada, we didn't have any meets, still haven't. And so Kafwi, um, Hochayami, who's also like a, a partner in King of Lifts, he's the Canadian 83 kilo champion. That total is like two years old and he's well over that, much closer than 800 kilo total. So it's going to, a lot of these totals are going to be the same. Whereas the US, we know their US national championships just happened a few weeks ago. So their totals are fresh, updated. A lot of these nations, some of these totals are like two years old. And, and if you're banking it on that, now they're going to be way over that. So it's, it's difficult to necessarily gauge. Um, but yeah, we'll see who steps it up, especially when it comes to lifters from places like Kazakhstan, where um, you're really not sure, man. Some of these, they can really surprise you when they step it in. And, yeah. and take a look, man, 36 lifters. Now we have reserves. But for the 83s, this is a monster meet. Yeah, I mean, you even take those reserves out, you might still have 25 to 30. You might have two, maybe three flights of 83s battling it out. Yeah, that's going to be that's crazy. From, and, and like you said, from all these different countries, Kazakhstan, Italy, France, lesser known ones like, you know, Costa Rica is going to be there. Colombia, uh, Sri Lanka, hung, yeah, Sri Hungary, Palestine. Yeah. It's all represented, man. This is crazy. Yeah, and I'm looking down at number 14 uh, from Algeria, uh, Fada Tubal. He's another one where. He, he's totaled closer to 800 at 2019 Worlds, but he has 730 in there, probably what he did at National. So another guy, you know, hiding there in the middle, but could be up there at the top. Now, it's interesting you said that because, uh, yes, two ball is definitely stronger than the nomination you put in. Why he did that, I'm not sure. But 
what if you put in a nomination that was too low, ended up getting bumped into the other flight? That That's the downside. But I mean, it depends on how if the countries all understand the rule and follow it. But the way it's supposed to be is you're supposed to nominate what their total is in the last 12 months from a like a national meet or higher. So, for example, for USAPL, we normally we do nationals nor- normally in October and then the Arnold in March. And I would take whoever's total was highest from those two meets if they did the Arnold and I would nominate that for some of these lifters. I mean, again, Worlds was two years ago. So, you know, technically two ball can't use his 2019 total. Maybe in 2020 or 2021, he won the nationals with 730. And so that's what he had to nominate according to the rules. Right. And this is where it's somewhat of an honor <laughs> system where you wonder if you're like, listen, my friend, strategically, I might bump up your total a little bit to keep you on the same flight. If you're actually going to be, if you look at, if you're not going to be in contention to get a medal, it doesn't matter. But if you are in contention to get a medal, you probably want to make sure you're in that flight where you know you're you're deading last with everybody contending for the medals. Otherwise, and I don't know if this day and age they could double check or if somebody notices that you might have inflated a, a nomination and they bring it to somebody's attention. Because with the amount of lifters there it is, I don't think everybody's going through every single nomination and double checking every because some of this isn't even on databases. Some of these aren't in open powerlifting, like we already said. Some of these are going to be very difficult to catch. So I think somebody almost has to rat you out, and I don't think anyone's going to do that anyways. But two ball was right on the line. Yeah, and I was going to say, we, we talked about this before we got on, is is combined men and women, there are 1,016 lifters nominated. And so imagine going through and checking 1,016. It'd be easy if they're all in open IPF and you just go and like you know check the link. But for some people, yeah, maybe the results aren't online. You have to like send a paper copy of the results and someone has to go and check it. would be crazy, man. <laughs> and, then if you, and then if you can only check people who are on open powerlifting, are you just going to be checking only half the people? It's difficult. You don't want to start. If it's not a problem, you just leave it. If someone brings it up and it becomes an issue and you notice something, you'll probably address it then. And I've actually seen a one time be the other way. It was 2015 Worlds. Uh, we were looking at the nominations and there was an Iranian lifter who was really high nominated. We're like, who the hell is this guy? Like, we're going to lose to this guy. And what it turned out is he had never done a raw competition before, but you know, everyone's country is different as far as nominating lifters. He had only competed equipped and that was going to be his first raw competition. So they put his equipped numbers in for the nominations. Jesus, what? <laughs> be careful what you ask for, because if you're way out of your league and you're in the same flight as the top end people, you're going to look a little funny. Yeah, then the openers come in. Yeah, and he's like, no, the back. (laughs) And all the spotters got to like jack on another 100 kilo every time after you're done your opener or whatever is what it is. Looking at the 93s. um, So Team Bulgaria, here's another nation that we don't know a heck of a lot about in terms of, I don't think either one of these gentlemen are on open powerlifting, but if you click on their link, they're like 10-year veterans. And uh, they're, it, I'm not entirely sure what to make of it. When you look at, so Team Bulgaria, Redev, um, Theodore Redev of Bulgaria, as well as Emil Krastev, and I am guarantee you I'm butchering their names, but both from Bulgaria. And they're coming in with an 840 and 847.5. I don't know what to make of these gentlemen. You're not, nobody's watching the Bulgarian nationals. And um, finding some of these people on Instagram, social media can be extremely difficult if you can find them at all. And then try to look them up on open powerlifting, you could get nothing. So it's difficult. And sometimes just like their name can be written differently 
in certain spots. Uh, Konovalov being that way, the way he writes Andre, I've seen it written, spelt different ways. So it, depending on if you could find a total or not, I mean, and I mean, they don't use our alphabet as well. So it just translates differently, man. Doing research is going to be difficult for some of these people. This is obviously Jonathan Keiko's world championships to possibly lose. He should be the heavy favorite, but um, man, we got, we got an international, like we got two Bulgarians an Iranian, Sweden, Netherlands, and mother Russia, Kazakhstan, as well as Ulan moving up from the 83s who had said earlier, um, he upset Brett Gibbs in 2017 and is now a 93 kilo lifter. And I think that total is from his 83 kilo days. So his total is probably not what it's going to be when he shows up on the platform. It'll be interesting to see if Ulan ends up going toe to toe with Keiko right to the end. Cause we know he's a monster deadlifter. Yeah. And it'd be interesting. Yeah. If he like has been bulking up this whole time, like how much will like, let's say a squat bench press go up and then he already has the big deadlift. So yeah, he's hiding there. Like, you know, at, at number eight. Um, and then like lower down, I see again for Algeria, number 17, Amar Kanane has done over 800 kilos, but he's down there at 17th hiding with a 750. So could be some hidden competition. And um, again, man, he's going to be in the other flight, which is not going to help him out. He's going to have to wrap it up and finish and just hope he does well enough. I mean, who knows? It might be all a moot point. The way it all shakes up, we'll have to see. But um, yeah, this is a stacked class, man. 30, including reserves, 35 lifters from, again, lifters like South Africa, Sri Lanka, uh, Tajikistan. If I'm pr pronouncing, look, man, there's people from all over the place. I say, I say Tajikistan, but I don't Tajikistan, know. Tajikistan, Egypt, <laughs> Iran, Palestine, Algeria, Austria, Britain, you know, Ukraine. It is what it is. It's 105s. We have the clash. It's it's confirmed. Ashton Ruska versus um, Anatoly. And uh, that's that's the one we were all waiting for. Anatoly's total, a 9-11. It's probably going to be pretty outdated because he just moved into the 105s. And if you're following him on Instagram, weights have been shifting pretty good for this young man. Um, we'll see, man. I'm excited for this one. Even Ashton himself is like, holy smokes, I'm a little nervous on this. We also have Levon from Russia, as well as Emil Norlin. Moving up from the juniors, last time we were in Sweden, he won the junior 105s. We're back in Sweden, and he's in the open to do battle. His total is yay old, so again, don't believe it. I have no idea where his total is going to be, but I'm sure it's in the 900 kilo range over and, and we'll have to find out where it ends up, man. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, Ashton likes the challenge. He likes going against the best people and that's what, he, that's what he's getting. But on the flip side, the last time he was at an IPF world championship was like sub junior equipped and, and he, and he won that, but also, you know, how long ago was that? And now he's finally getting back to where he has to travel internationally and, you know, deal with all the COVID travel restrictions, go compete against the best. And uh, yeah, might be, might be a little bit nervous. Like, you know, we'll, we'll see how his training is going into it. So, I mean, I see all four of them as a battle for the top. Yeah. 100%. Um, moving into the one twenties. So, all right. We talked, you're hyping this one <laughs> a, a little bit, a hot minute. And, and our boy, Dennis Cornelius Cornelius slid him, slid into my DMS on this one, but Let's talk a bit, a bit about some of these valid points. We're not going to do a ma massive breakdown. Obviously, we're just giving an update on who's showing up, who's not showing up. And we'll do our analysis picks and all that much closer to the actual event. But when you're looking at the 120s, it should be noted, yes. And I'm told it's jank. 
Um, it's spelled C-E-N-K, Jenk Kokak um, from Turkey, but I'll get confirmed by him. He is the number one nomination. The nominated 962.5 came when he was a 120 plus. Now he wasn't a real full 120 plus. He just didn't cut to 120, but it should be noted. So there is that. We've talked about that before. Eric Willis also, his 950 was he was a 120 plus. Now he's a little bigger. It wasn't just um, he didn't cut to 120. He had actually bulked up a little bit. I believe he was around 133 kilo. So that's a good chunk now. Now we're talking a bit of a drop in body weight, but he is a former world champion in the 120s in his class. We also have Tony Cliff, um, Constantine from Russia, uh, Piotr from Poland, as well as Dennis Cornelius. Now it should be noted, Dennis Cornelius may or may not stay as a 120. And as Arian said previously, he has the option. He's, he's in there. He's in the nominations. And they can't take him out and put in a new 120. But there can be movement of weight class. Now, what are they allowed to do? They're allowed to have two 120 pluses. And that's that. Yeah, any member federation can have max two in a weight class. And as it stands, we'll uh, we'll skip along there. But uh, 120 plus so far, all U.S. has is Jesus Oliveira. So 120 right now, it, it man, we got shooters. This literally looking at the at the nominations. The last time we had a world championships, Tony Cliff won with a 920. Um, and we're looking at the nominations now. We have 962.5, 950. 925 with Dennis, and we know Dennis can do more 925. He did 925 injured. Um, and we have Tony Cliff himself. Like I just said he did a 920. His nomination is 890. We know he's better for that. Um, a lot of these guys, this is going to be a very tight race at the 120s at the upper end. It sucks that Smith from South Africa is not going to be here because he's a 950 and up 120, legit at 120. Cutting to 120, he did nine. I think it was 954. It's a shame he's not going to be there. These guys are good enough. Prime time Dennis Cornelius has to be 100% and not miss lifts to win this. This might be the best 120 kilo class we've ever seen in the classic division. Yeah, for sure. And even if you take the qualifying totals out, because, you know, some were at weight somewhere, you have so many decorated guys like Chank. Junior world champion, Eric Willis, open world champion, Dennis, open world champion. Piotr uh, looks like he's won Europeans and he's won uh, university worlds. Tony Cliff, open world champion. Even down at number 11, Bryce Krawcheck making his return to Raw. He's gone silver in Raw and a, a world record deadlift holder. And it should be noted, um, Bryce Krawcheck, his nominations, and thank God he made it onto the, the main flight, that was a 105 total from like three years ago they took because he had been moved into um, equipped lifting and obviously COVID hit as well. But so his nominated total is looks way low, but expect him to actually be a contender to medal for team Canada, because it's a, that's a 105 total from three years ago. So, I mean, such is the case, right? Thank God he actually made it onto that flight though. If his 105 total from three years ago, didn't get him on that flight. It'd be a hell of a lot harder to get, be vying for a medal. Um, when you're in a different flight and so 120 pluses, sir. Yeah. 120 pluses. Like you said, it, it it's interesting how after Jesus, you were kind of hinting at 
the totals kind of drop off a little bit where Dennis could be kind of competitive in both and not have to worry about the weight cut. So here it is. All right. As it stands, Konovalov, and anyone who doesn't know Andre Konovalov, he's a, a multiple-time world champion in equipment, and he wants to hop out of equipment and take his hand and just see what he could do in the raw. He's not abandoning equipped. I'm sure he's going to go back to it. But he is quality. He's traveled to world championships. He knows how to lift at a world level. And he's, a, he's literally a world time. I think he's even a world games champion. I mean, he's a several, extremely def, decorated. So Jesus Oliveras going toe to toe with him is a big deal, as well as Lupak. David Lupak from Czechia, uh, Czechia is also a former world champion in equipment, making his way into the classic. Their totals don't look overwhelmingly threatening, but Konovalov had said, uh, I think in a Russian podcast, I think Bill was talking about how. He's just adjusting into lifting into the unequipped in terms of like picking a attempt selection and in the execution on the platform. He sounds and kind of all of is he he will hop on a Russian podcast and talk some shit. <laughs> He's the guy that Blaine Sumner said was talking huge shit. And they went back and forth. Blaine Sumner, uh, multiple time world champion himself. Their rivals went back and forth trading world titles. Um, a Konovalov in the mix. I want to try to get him on the podcast and get a Russian interpreter because he'll let it fly. And he is uber confident with what he thinks he could do coming into the 120 pluses. Yeah. And um, also for these lifters switching from equipped to raw is like the equipment helps you a lot out, out of the bottom. So like in the squat helps you really out of the hole and it kind of like doesn't help you as much at the top. So when they transition, it takes them some time to get used to that bottom position again and build that bottom end strength. But I'm not saying he's going to be like this person, but you can look at like Dave Ricks as an example where he was doing equipped for a long time, came back to the raw scene and took him a little while, but his squat blew up and he hit the open world record squat. So who knows the more Andre practices raw and kind of figures it out his his numbers may increase quickly. Yeah. And it's always good to have like people with him in Lupac's um, resumes. When you have like multiple time world champions stepping into the plate, originally when Jesus showed up, it's kind of like, well, who's Jezza, who is the reigning champion right now, is not there. It'd be amazing if primetime Jezza was there. He's totaled over a thousand kilo and he he's totaled, I believe, I don't know what the top end Jezza is off the top of my head, but I think it's it's definitely good enough that if Jesus isn't on his A game, Jezza can defeat him. And that's how that's obviously a great clash at the top. And then if Ray Williams or someone was in there for whatever chance, if they had two, but obviously you're not, they're only taking the top end champions this time around, but we had some possibilities and it didn't turn out um, mostly due to COVID and Jezza might actually be retired for all we know. So it's great that a guy like Andre Konovalov and David Lupak world champion step in is like, okay, all right, we do have some clashes after all. You want that with the big boys and you never know. Hopefully they show up and show out. And uh, we have 28 big fellas. That's including the reserves though. Yeah. And um, people are asking about Jez, like he doesn't post too much. So we have no idea why he's not coming. The assumption is like the other Oceania countries that it's just too difficult with COVID restrictions for them to like leave their, their country and come back. So that's probably the most likely reason. And the other thing, if people have been following, he's lost like 40 kilos body weight. He's going down for health reasons. Um, so who knows? Maybe he'll come back. Maybe next year he'll be a 120. Or maybe he comes back in the future and coaches uh, other uh, lifters from Nauru or his kid because, like, his kids are pretty strong as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I don't think Nauru would be able to make it due to COVID, but I also think you're right. In terms of the body weight drop, either he's retired and done with it for health reasons or he might come back as a 120. Um, I don't know how he's going to feel. 
looking at some of these juniors, it should be noted like superstars like Austin Perkins will be at this world championship. So even though if us doesn't have a lifter in the open, they do have a superstar like Austin Perkins lifting in the juniors and a guy like Austin Perkins is going to look to try to post up a total more than likely that'll actually win the open as well. Sorry, not win the open, but out total the open. It's still the same competition. It's still world-class judging. Nobody could say nothing about it. And if you're at the Worlds and you post the biggest total in the 74s, it is a little caveat to have. Yeah, and he can break the open world record. So, and he lifts, he lifts earlier in the week, so he can break the, the squat and total world records for the open and sit up higher. So then those lifters competing in the open then can't catch it. Any other juniors that you see? Oh, Gavin Aiden obviously is in the 93s, had a sensational battle with Jonathan Keiko. Um, just by half a kilo, didn't make it, um, losing to Keiko, but now is able to come in with as a junior. So we have Gavin Matthew Venna from Canada, also a 93, going to be battling him. And uh, Matthew's or, uh, total on there for the 770 is way outdated. Again, like we're talking Canada that had no meets for the last couple of years. I was going to add in there where, where Gavin is a, is somewhat of a similar situation where he doesn't get to have that head-to-head battle with Jonathan Keiko, but he lifts earlier. And, you know, they basically had the same total uh, at nationals. You know, Gavin can go and break that, a world record open total earlier in the week. And that may change some of the game plans for the open, because now you might not be able to chip the same records mm. or you might not be able to get the same world record total with the same lifts. So that should be interesting as well to see who totals more, who has the world record at the end. Damn. So when the open team coach needs to spring <laughs> by the juniors coach, come on, play boys. Let's work together here. What are we so doing? Sandbag it for me. Sandbag it, man. And we need some chips in this. Um, Whistler. Isaac Whistler, flex boy, is in the 120s as a junior. Um, he'll have some competition from Russia, Britain, Georgia. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it looks – we're going to have some all-round – it's going to be some battles in the Masters. Look out for six-pack lap at in 83s. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yo, buddy. Want to move over to the women, sir? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, just like uh, other names just to mention, like, you know, of course, U.S. has a lot of people, you know, Masters. We got Ellis McLean. Uh, oh, yeah. Ryan Stills, uh, I mean, for Canada too, like, you know, uh, names that I know are like, like, you know, Lewis Knoppers for Canada is a big name. So like a lot of the regulars that we haven't seen in two years for all the age divisions, uh, we're going to see them back again. It's going to be an interesting world championship. Yeah. Um, also, uh, yeah, you're right. Ellis McLean, obviously two-time open world champion, Ryan Stills. Dave uh, Ricks for Masters 3. David Ricks for Masters 3. going to totally ruin somebody's day. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I'm excited. I haven't competed since the last world championship. So coming back and being at a world type championship is like, holy moly. But uh, we'll see. So uh, let's take a look at the women kind, sir. Let's do it. Looking at the 47s, Heather Connor is essentially, okay. Well, let me put it this way. Cause I, I don't want to, Heather is at this point, somewhat competing against herself, um, except Tiffany from France. Now, France has got shooters. France has got shooters, especially in the women's. They got shooters in the men's, and they, but they definitely got shooters in the women's as well. And Tiffany was born in 2001. She's 10 years younger than Heather, and she's already posting up a 370-kilo total. I think Tiffany, if, I, if my math is right, I think she's she might not even be 20 yet, or maybe she's just 20. But she's obviously turning 20 this year. 
absolute monster to be posting up a 370 kilo total as a team. You know, definitely somebody to be looking at. This is the open and she could be lifting as a junior and probably had it sewed up. So there is, um, there's, if Heather is still a comfortable favorite, you want to pay attention to somebody like that because you are looking at a future star. And if she's already at 370, it isn't going to be that long where she's going to be getting closer and closer, closing that gap with Heather. Yeah, and she was one of the ones that was originally nominated in the juniors. On the men's side, I think his name is uh, Quarantine uh, Clements. He was uh, in the juniors. They moved him to the open. On the women's side, Tiffany was in the juniors. They moved her into the open, probably because I figured, you know, she's going to be competitive for a medal and score points for the French open team. And eventually, you know, yeah, she might be the future of that uh, weight class. She's actually really small too for the weight, even though 47 is the smallest weight class we have because it is the smallest weight class in the open. In the juniors, there's a, there's a 43 kilo class, but they bumped her in. And so she's going to grow into 47. She's young. She's small in two years. If she's doing this as a teenager who's small for a 47, imagine what she's going to be doing in a couple of years in her early 20s. She fills up 40, maybe even have to cut a little bit for 47. Her total is going to be monster. She's someone definitely, this is why you want to pay attention. She's someone to look at. Talking about um, French lifters, 52 kilo class, Naomi Alibert, Andre O'Reilly, um, and France has got two 57 or 52, sorry. Also Rico. Um, coming with a four, 410.5 kilo total. I mean, there was a lot of 52s out there, but it is a stacked class at the world championships. We got six lifters with nominations, 400 kilo and up. Yeah. You got a little, little French sandwich there uh, between, uh, right. between our U S lifter and uh, we'll go more in detail in future episodes. But if you look at the individual lifts, like they're all close on squats, they're all close on bench and they're all close on deadlift. <laughs> It's a like, battle, dude. It's a battle of like, you know, with all three, you can't be like, oh, like, you know, I'll just wait till deadlift and I'll outlift all of them. They're, they're five kilos away each on deadlift. Yeah. No, and uh, and I'm glad that US is there. Like Naomi Alibert, um, with her 427 and a half, Andrea Riley's really gonna push. She's only five kilo behind and she's capable. So this is gonna be a battle right to the end. Uh, speaking of freaking close battles, 57 kilo class really rounding out. You got Maria T, the defending world champion, is back from Canada. Joy Namani, two time 52 kilo world champion, moving up to 47s. Bobby Butters, also from Great Britain. And both of these ladies have a 463.5 kilo nomination. It doesn't get no tighter than that. Then coming in fourth in nominations is uh, U.S.'s Brittany Suplicki with a 462.5. And then I believe, uh, yeah, Filamanova with a 430. Filamanova is ageless, born in 1976, been around forever, um, has a, a resume like yay long. And then obviously France, France got shooters, Caroline's in with a 422.5. It's going to be some battles. Um, I'm not sure what to expect. Some of these totals are old. Maria T's total is definitely old. That's the last time we were at the world championships two years ago with that 472.5. So where she's at now, God knows, man, this is a tight one. This is as close as it gets. It's, it's going to be a tight one. And it'll, and it'll also be interesting to see if the totals are close for the two British lifters, how that works from their coaching side. Well, here's the thing. If they're battling for medals, um, Joy's got an absolutely freaking monster deadlift and you guarantee nobody is deadlifting past her. So she's going to de be able to decide, am I pulling for gold 
Am I pulling for silver? I almost think that she's definitely, I, I shouldn't say definitely, but she's more than likely going to be thinking I'm pulling for gold. And that's where body blue butters is like, it is what it is. My day is already over when she's pulling for whatever it is. So if she hits, if it's one of those deals where if she's go for gold and misses, maybe I end up with a silver or bronze or whatever. Maybe Joy ends up behind me, but you're right. The coaching staff's going to have to split the deals and they're going to be battling it out, man. There's only so much room on that podium, sir. I don't got to tell you. <laughs> and the top four are within 10 kilos of each other. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm glad Brittany's going. Um, I mean, obviously, she, she had a super tight battle at U.S. Raw Nationals. Battle hard to get there. Uh, just getting a medal is going to be tight in the 57s. And, and once you get onto the medal podium, it's super tight. What color your medal is, who knows, man? It's going it's to be tough. Whoever comes in fourth is going to be world-class. You know what I mean? Like world, world class, maybe PR total, but disappointed. Mm-hmm. They're gonna go home sad. Well, it's tough, <laughs> but this is the world championships. You gotta expect yes. it. Sixty-three yes, kilo class. Corolla Gara, world champion, returns, um, but she's got stiff competition with Leah Bavois from this, France. This, this is what we wanted. This is what we wanted, my man. Um, and the cast behind them with America's Sam Calhoun, multiple-time world. Uh, world champion competitor and world multiple time national champion. And then we got people like Iris coming in, uh, Sabrina Moore from Britain, several time national champion from Britain. We got some shooters coming in from all over the world here and somebody like Iris, I don't know how old that total is that she's posted up here, but she's absolutely murdering weights in the gym right now. And some of these people are going to show out real when they show up. And um, I'm interested, but at the very top, the battle between Gara and Leah Bavo might be the biggest uh, on the women's side, possibly period, because they're going to post up totals that will at the very least rival the weight class ahead of them, like Taylor Atwood did. I'm not saying for sure out total them, but like Taylor did, it can rival the weight class above them. That's how special talent they are. Gara was setting records in equipment and can set records out of equipment. An all-round powerlifter's powerlifter and Leah Bavo is absolute. She's a phenom. Yeah, and just looking at the uh the year bursts of all of them, like you know, uh Gara 94, Bavois 93, Sam 90, Iris 92. It's like this could be battles for years to come, or if like you know, one or two of them decide to move up to 69s, you see them battle again in the 69s. Yeah. Um, and we'll see how far they push uh, either of those weight classes. Talking about the 69s, buddy. Um, a name that I hope doesn't need much of an introduction. Kimberly Walford, the GOAT, has returned. Number one nomination, but not by much. Not by much, love. Not, two and not a half by kilo, much. Two and a half kilo, to be precise. Chandler Babb from the U.S. and Ana Rosa Castellane from Brazil. Ana Rosa, multiple-time world champion in multiple weight classes. Kimberly Walford, obviously the greatest of all time, multiple-time world champion. And Chandler Babb, off of her fresh victory at the U.S. Raw Nationals, within two, these three ladies are within two and a half kilo of each other, and they're going to do battle at Worlds. Tie race, my friend. And then coming in fourth, Nino from Georgia with a 525. We're talking five kilo just behind them. I mean, some of these, somebody can come in fourth, Someone can conceivably come in fourth place and be five kilo away from gold. It's yeah, and it, it's definitely interesting seeing that uh, Nino from Georgia there with 525, and she's got a big delt as well. So could be a delt battle at the end with Kimberly, Chandler, Nino. I mean, then you got, you know, six lifters over 500 kilos. You got Ivana Horner there, number yes. eight. 
this is going to be a wild one. And Ivana's total again, I don't know how recent that total is, but she's, she's a world champion as well. She won in 2017 and she's been doing a lot of Olympic lifting, but um, from Slovakia, but she's back and she's like, we have several world champions in 69s and it's going to be a super tight battle. Um, interesting to see in the 76 is another new weight class. And we have uh, Angelina Ilovikova from Russia. Now, Russia was holding back, putting in their team. So people were kind of eyeing those nominations, but I knew she was coming. She told me she was coming and she's coming in with a 565 total. Um, she hit that, I believe, just a stitch over 76 kilo class. And then we have Jessica Bittner, who has a 72, put a 562.5. Jasmine Penn from the U.S., um, and, uh, from there, uh, most of the nominations are below 500. So it's mostly a top end, but the top end is super tight. Yeah. I mean, it's another one like, uh, wh which one are you more interested in Corolla, Leah and Sam or Angelina, Jess and Jasmine. Those are both going to be some crazy pop, uh, battles for the podium for those two weight classes. Honestly, man, on the women's end, I think a lot of the battles are going to be on, wow. You know what? I, the men's got some battles as well, but the women's nominations are so flipping tight man like it some of these are new weight classes so it, you know when they're all at the actual weight it might change up i don't know maybe the tightness between them changes up when they actually are all at the same weight because some of these are coming from 72 kilo totals some of these are coming from slightly over 76 so let's see what happens but looking at the nominations we have battles all over in the women's division and it seems like it's a uh, it's a weight class that the ladies want because the 76s has 21 lifters, no reserves. Yeah, that's that's freaking insane, right? And that's when you know if the IPF is like, did we make the proper move here making this weight class? Well, apparently. You you make a new weight class hoping it's still going to have battles and it's still going to be competitive. Well, let's take a look at the new weight class. For, and you also want to make sure we didn't deplete the old weight class. Did we deplete it down to nothing? No. 63s is, looks absolutely phenomenal. As a matter of fact, in fact, 63s at the top end looks just like it did last time. Gara, Leah, Sam. So 63s was not depleted. The 69s, well, is it going to be competitive? Was this the proper move to make? Well, you got Walford, Chandler, Babb, and Anna Rosa Castellane, and then you got Nino from Georgia, and they're all seven and a half kilo away from each other, and that's four spots. Two and a half kilo away from each other separates the number one nomination to the number three nomination. That is super tight. That's very competitive. Good decision to make that class. Then you move in the 76 kilo class. You got Angelina, Jessica, and Jasmine Penn at the very top. All of them with monster totals, extremely competitive. If they were ever worried, oh my God, did we make the right decision? Rest, rest <laughs> assured, my friends. You did a good job. It was well chosen. 84 kilo class, my friend. This is where things get just a stitch less competitive. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be another one of those, like I said before, like it's uh, Amanda Lawrence is so far above everyone other than maybe Daniela Mello. And so for, for this weight class, it's just going to be like, yeah, what can she push? And what can she see what the other ladies have done in the previous session, the previous days to win that best lifter award? It'll essentially be the same thing that happened to US run that's unfortunately, um, I mean, we knew it was going to happen in U.S. Raw Nats. We've seen that coming. There was a bit of hope. Sometimes with the world's people come out of nowhere, out of a nation that doesn't post much on social media, their nationals don't make it in open powerlifting, and maybe someone surprised you. That was the hope. It was a, it was a small hope. It's like a boxer walking in there with a puncher's chance. But we were all hoping maybe someone emerges we don't see coming. Not this year. It looks like it'll be around the same you know, competitiveness as U.S. Raw Nats. But like you said, 
she's got an opportunity to post up as big a total as possible, maybe push what we had already seen before beyond that, which is still exciting. And then we do have a battle of potentially being the uh, best lifter. So we got some, we got some, we got some movement to look into and the 84 plus my friend, what are we looking at here? Of course. I mean, luckily for us for USAPL, we got Bonica coming back, you know, the, the champ champ, whether it's raw equipped bench press, full power, everything like that. She's in there. She's got the biggest nominee in total. And Bonica's got, um, well, but France has got shooters. She's got a nice mm-hmm. jump though, in terms of the lead. I don't think she's in too much danger. Um, she's a pretty solid, just, again, it's kind of like Amanda where it's probably a close replication of what the U S raw Nats was, but, um, Emily from France is also a, a phenomenal lifter. Uh, Brittany Slater from, from Canada, that totals old and it's going to be updated and it's going to be into the 600. So, um, we do have some people that can post up 600 and above in terms of their total. So we'll have some battles for silver and bronze and it should be exciting, but I don't think anybody's going to be actually vying for the crown at the top. Yeah. And you might have some battles for like, you know, the, the bench press and battles for, for the deadlift, uh, but yeah, having that, like, you know, 10% gap because Monique is probably looking at the open world as well to, you know, win that championship and go to the world games is like, maybe she'll want to like hold back a little bit on this, get the easy win and then turn around in November and do the open worlds and push more there. Now, Bonica did have a, a battle in this for the squat battle. Sometimes battles break out, but I don't think we're going to see that this time. Moving into the junior surf for some of the highlights, some people that, um, you know, I'm just skimming through right now. I, I do recognize Celine the machine has made the, has made it onto the national and, team. And, and, and then Jay Jacob from France, that should be a, a good battle one too right there. Yep. Not surprised that the French got a solid yeah. team. 63s you got a couple of italians at the top we'll see how that works out as far as uh 492 and 480 yeah the 57s actually looks uh sleen sleen has an opportunity here um uh, the opens really it'll be tough to out you know total in the open when you got someone like maria t with a 470 something that was a couple years ago but yeah the juniors do look competitive we are definitely going to have some battles i i mean in the 63s you might you might remember samantha eugene um her total there with a 435, she is done, historically speaking. I, I'm pretty sure she did a 496 as a teenager, but has been suffering injuries ever since. So I'm not sure. Her total might be a lot more than that, but it's difficult to tell. Um, because she, if she comes in 100%, she could be 500 and up. Yep, 76 has like an interesting uh, battle as well with uh, Vilma Olsen, who won, um, where she won Junior Worlds, I believe. Yes, she did. And uh, and she won. She looks like she won Europeans. Looks like she's won bench press. And then now she's battling it out with the U.S. lifter, uh, Maria, 515 to 512 and a half. And then a Polish lifter at 503. And Olsen is the uh, uh, last time at the World Championships. I remember a surprise because I know Olsen. She popped on my radar. She actually went toe-to-toe with Jessica Bittner in Calgary. And um, obviously Bittner enjoyed home nation advantage, but Canada's huge, man. She was in a different time zone the whole night, but still not as bad as Olsen who had to come over from Sweden. And, um, and they battled it out. Jessica Bittner ended up winning the world championships and the juniors. Now Olsen returns last time we were in Sweden. I remember like sliding in her DMS, like where were you at, man? We're in your home nation. And you, you know, it's your opportunity to take this world title here. And she's like, freak, man, injuries happen. Things pop up. So I'm glad she's got an opportunity. We're back in her home nation. There's nothing like winning world championships in your home nation. She's got an opportunity, but it's not going to be easy with Maria Daly there. 
Yeah. And then just uh, another interesting thing is 84 plus uh, we, from US, we have Alexis Jones, who I believe she got third in the open at our, at our nationals. And um, another 600 uh, kilo plus total right there. So she'd be like nominated, I believe, third in the open if she was in the open. But also she's within uh, the world record of the bench press in the open. So again, she might be something where she sets the open world record earlier in the week. And then the other lifters in the open have to kind of see that and make adjustments. It's tough, man. When the juniors collect the chips on you, or sometimes even a master might collect the chip on you. And uh, by the time it rolls around, that would have been strategic for you to have that 0.5 added to your total, but it is what it is. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, we got some masters coming out too. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, 52s, you got return of Joanna Reaver from Canada. That's right. 50, 57s, you got Robin Ray, who was there two years ago in Sweden. Uh, battling out for the, the championship and looks like she's gonna have another battle again and joanna reber is also <clears throat> an alternate for the open so we'll see you could still shift around where you're gonna lift she's on the national team period <clears throat> exactly where she's gonna lift we'll have to find out for the masters 252 we have uh Susie harward gary so looks like she doesn't have any competition but she'll again be able to push and maybe see what she can do as far as the open world record in the squat so that should be interesting. The legendary, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be a stack world. So how many lifters overall did you say we had? What I saw is like if lifters, if you want to go to goodlift.info, you can find all the nominations for the different championships. And then you can look at the, the weight class nominations. And you can look at the country nominations. At the bottom, there seems to be a summary table. And it says 419 women, oh my 597 men, which comes out to 1,016. And then if you add in the referees and coaches and stuff, it's 1,369 people going as a coach, referee, or a competitor. Dog, if we were worried about people showing up under COVID restrictions and travel, now we're not there yet. Things could change. Let's hope that the world doesn't go yeah. you know, sideways yeah. on us. Yeah, we're, we're not saying a 1,000 people are going to compete. There's some reserve lifters that will get removed. There'll be some lifters maybe can't get visa or someone gets injured, like we said. Uh, so there'll be some dropouts, but it's nice to see over a thousand nominated. And then we'll see maybe 800 to 900 and I'm competing. Overall, despite the U S only sending the champions, um, it looks solid right now, at least until we see injuries or, you know, whatever, uh, a passport issue. Some, I mean, that's going to be an issue when I'm hearing in terms of like, I hope everybody's got their passport updated. If this is the year you you didn't have your passport updated, it's the wrong year if you're in the US is what I'm hearing. Yeah, what I saw as far as the news article, the secretary sent us, I think it was like, even with the expedited processing, it was still delayed like 12 to 18 weeks. So yeah, pretty much with how close we were, if you hadn't already started the process and you don't have a passport, if it's going to expire, you ain't going to get it. And that's the problem because there is no reserves for you if you don't go. It'll be interesting to see, man. And people do get injured and then they have to ask themselves, am I going to, um, am I traveling the world and doing this if, if I'm going to be injured? Some will go because there is no reserves and whatever you can put forth is better than nothing. So you start asking yourself, like, what are we looking at here? Could I, can I make this injury worse if I show up? Um, or if it's got to be me and we can't put in a reserve, any points I might be able to contribute. You know, if it's not a hundred percent, I'm not vying for gold anymore, but even my bronze might help out uh, because we don't, otherwise there's nobody in the weight class altogether. It's, it'll be, it'll be interesting, man. It, but from what we see right now, we got some hella showdowns. Um, the biggest omission is the King is gone. 
King is taking a, 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 a one-year siesta. A one-year. Well, <laughs> not even well, from going Worlds. Hi- one year from Worlds. Hibernation. A bit of a hibernation. I can't say. I mean, I'm not going to speak for the man. I'm just going to say it's nothing negative. Um, so if anybody's wondering, some people are in DMs uh, asking me and, um, you know, they're worried about whatever. I but, can tell yeah. you absolutely nothing negative. Life happens. It is what it is. Don't worry about it. I'll let him say it on his end, but uh, it's tough, man. It's tough of all the losses. He's a big loss. At the very least, if there's any consolation to it, it's not like we're missing out on a massive showdown due to it. Um, it's not like, oh, fuck, we'll never get to see how the story ends. Now we knew he showed up. It was his. It's not like, um, you know, some of these showdowns that we have. We're like, oh, man, that would have been an amazing showdown. He would have been lifting relatively unopposed regardless anyways. Yeah, and I mean, every year, regardless of what's going on, there's some people that just don't want to come or something happens, like we said. So, I mean, yeah, we're missing Taylor. We're missing Brett Gibbs. We're missing Jezza. You know, a few people here and there. But people got to be excited for what is there. You have all these battles going down, all these new lifters coming in. And so it's going to be exciting regardless of, you know, a few of the elite not being there. Man, that's period. Looking at the Olympics, looking at every single, um, I mean, obviously I'm a UFC boxing fan. In every single UFC card, people drop out. It's never as advertised previously. In every single sport, injuries happen or people get, you just it's just the way it is. It's never going to be a full stack, but we have some huge battle at the IPF Worlds. And my man... Um, do we have announcement on coaches? We got to save that for coaches going. I mean, for coaches for us, it's the same because we have three year terms. So Polly Steinman is still the coach for the masters. Hanny Jazzaleri is still the coach for sub juniors and juniors. And I'm still the coach for the open. We got like extended our three year terms. So really our first year was 2019. This will be our second year. And the next year will be our third year. And then that's we'll good. Up. That's good. So essentially you got four years out of it because you did, you, you lost the worlds. Yeah. Do you know if Canada's announced their coaches? Um, I know Jeff, Butt's going to be back. Yeah. So I, I saw he's competing as well. He was nominated second. Let me see what you guys have listed. Yeah. Jeff Butts list is the hope head coach. Um, Garrett Bentley, assistant coach, Quentin Chan coach, Rob is, Dyke coach. Is Jeff, Butt the head coach for the open, it doesn't say what it is. But you only have, uh, for now, you only have like uh, seven coaches listed. You can put on more coaches. Like we haven't put any of the individual like lifters coaches yet for our roster. We just put our head coaches in. So it's possible that since he's the most uh, experienced, and I think Dan Henning, he's done it before, that he'll be the overall head coach and maybe stay the whole time. I'll tell you what, he's absolutely phenomenal. Dude, in terms of like um, knowing the rules, do you want to talk about dude who protest? He'll, he'll approach that protest jury with money in hand and, and you're going to rock and roll. Um, in terms of like knowing what to say, I've been back there when the wheels are falling off and I'm like, holy shit. And he's pulled me aside and, and uh, told me exa- a couple times, told me exactly what I needed to hear. I've had been in other situations where things were going the right way. And I was facing like, like he, he was like, what are your numbers coming in here? And he's like, give me your numbers. I'm going to steer this car. And he fucking, I would have bombed out, man. I was like, I thought too much of what I was going to be able to do. And it wasn't the way my day was going. And he's like, we're going to adjust. You're going to get a total. It's going to be what you have the best on the day of. He He's a wily veteran who's been doing this for like 25 years. And um, and he knows all the games you play because he plays them too. You know what I mean? <laughs> so he's that guy. 
Yeah, and it's always good to have someone's experience just for all the all the little things outside of that that happen like at a world championship that may not happen at a local meet, like going to the technical meeting to get additional information if there's a schedule change or anything like that. I mean, like having a team meeting with your physical uh, lifters, like, you know, showing where everything is. Like, like you said, knowing how to go protest and everything like that. Like you may not have that at your nationals, depending on what country you're from, or you might be just doing local meets and not even know what a jury is. So he has all that kind of experience to help those other assistant coaches if they're maybe their first time. He, he also has, um, he was the Canadian, he was a, the president for a little while. He did a term. He's a referee. He's been a national coach a million times, been to like, you know, national champion, world champion, open masters. Now he's in the master too. So he's been around the block. And um, when he approaches, like when you show up, you don't need to know anything. So there are some nations where you don't understand how much of a benefit that is. Cause I've seen some nations with the coaching staff, bless their hearts are showing up, but they're not experienced and they don't even know themselves. They're like, okay, where do we get rack kites? Uh, how are the weigh-ins going in terms of the warm-ups in terms of like the different, like handling, like the rules in terms of what you're allowed to do, what you're not and, and recognizing the game when it's unfolding ahead of you, looking at the scorecard and actually be able to put in proper attempts. Not everyone does know how to do that. I don't know. I know what I'm going to tell you, Arian, but like they're like, top end programming coaches who can't do that think they can some people think they can but that you could watch and you know they're they don't they're making mistakes there are people who are online instagram far bigger names for programming and people assume that they're game day handling coaches and um, a guy like jeff would undress them if it's a close battle within two and a half to five kilo. That's how close they are in terms of strength. And it comes down to precision attempt selection, knowing the rules, making calculations in that 60 second period, putting your placeholder, bluffing if you have to, approaching the jury table. Oh, by the way, when he approaches, he's got their respect. You know, he's a 50 year old man approaching the table and he's been in the game 25 years and they're going to listen. Oh, 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 by the way, put these wrist wraps on really tight for this final deadlift. Hey, doggy, he won Canada that open gold, the first and only open gold medal in the women's. He's legendary. He's the one who approached Maria T, who missed her second a, a deadlift, and, and she was about to lose. And he's like, you're going to put these on and just trust me. And she put on the wrist wraps and won the world title. And she's like, I'm fucking forever going to listen to this guy. Like, you got people. There's a reason why I'm talking about him the way I am. And if you ask like world champions, like Maria T, they will, they will echo everything I'm saying, the guys, and we're lucky, man. We got that. Like us is lucky. They got you, you know, like I remember I told you the first time I had approached you and talked to you at the world championships, 2018, I was talking to the Canadian team. I don't remember the showdown. And they're like, fuck. I was like, what? And they're like, nah, fucking us has got Arian today. And I'm like, what does that mean? And they're like, He's good, man. He's good. It's a tight battle. And when it's a tight battle, you actually care about who you're battling with. And it's not the same people who program. I can't fucking hammer that. It is on your case, but it's not always the same people who program. These people will undress your favorite coach from the day-to-day programming. Believe me, it's not the same skills, man. It kills me how some people don't know this. Yeah, I mean, we were actually kind of talking about this similar idea with uh, Gavin on the, the previous episode is that some coaches are really good at things. Some coaches are not good at things or some coaches are like, you know, average across multiple things, just like you may be good at, you know, the squad and be terrible at the bench press and then be good at the deadlift. Right. You have different strengths and weaknesses. So, yeah, I mean, like for me, like I'm not good when it comes to nutrition. I'm not good when it comes to like, you know, recovering from injuries and I'll go to like someone else for that kind of stuff. 
where someone else might say like, I'm really good at programming, but I'm not good at meat day handling, or I'm really good at meat day handling, but I'm not so good at programming. And Todd, so I, here's the problem. I never hear a good programmer say I'm not good at meat day handling. They never do. It's just something that they, I don't know if they undervalue it or they just don't have, they think they'll look bad by saying it. But it, it, could, it, could, it, it could be that, yeah, they, they might look bad by saying, cause it might be like, if you ranked all the stuff for like a powerlifting coach, especially like someone who coaches elite level lifters, it's probably one of the top priorities. Like if I say, like, hey, I, I suck at like, you know, rehab training after coming off an injury, people are like, oh, you know, that's very like, you know, specific, like what kind of injury they had. Did they get the injury? What if they don't have an injury? You don't have to worry about it. So it's not as big of a deal if I say I'm bad at that. But if you say like, hey, I suck at meat day handling at the national, international level, but then you're trying to get elite level powerlifters to come under you. So that could be other. Yeah, they might be worried about saying that. After the U.S. Raw Nationals, I had an individual that shall remain nameless, um, and he's a great handler. He he's a he's a a great game day coach. And he said, "I see people making rudimentary mistakes, the same mistakes, or making the same moves, and they've been in the game for a long time." And they just look like they're not adapting. And I don't know if it's through ego that they think they're good enough on it, or they just don't know all the rules or just don't know. They're not making these calculations and they're not looking like you could have had this tied up and one on your second dead. And then the third one would have been a freebie, but you didn't, you let the, you let, or certain little, little mistakes were being made. And um, this individual was like, I look at these people and they have a big following and they're, or, or, or relatively anyways, you'll know them anyways. And he's like, it, they're just not upping their game and it's been years and, I, and I'm worried they're not going to. And I, to, honestly, it's one of these things that like people don't know the general public. It's phenomenal how little they know in terms of handling where they don't, I have people who I would think should know who tell me in the DMS. Oh, I would love to see these two handlers go head to head. Huh? And I'm like, it's a fucking one-sided affair. If we're talking <laughs> handling, my friend, you, you shouldn't have had them. You know what I mean? It's, it's weird how people talk and I'm like, I don't think, you know, then. <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're not here to like, you know, name names or, or, or say like, you know, this person sucks, but it, even if you don't want to say publicly, like, Hey, I'm not good at this. It, you should be like, you know, analytical of yourself and like, Hey, I need to prove in this area and yeah. put some effort into, you know, learning from other people and gaining the experience they and don't. getting better. Um, and like, uh, like I, I, I've told uh, Jason Tremblay from uh, the Strength Guys, who's who's like now my boss, or like before when I would look at the Strength Guys early on, years and years ago, I noticed like, hey, like you know, this year this guy bombed out the Arnold. The following year, Taylor Atwood bombed out the Arnold. The following year, another one of their lifters bombed out. It was like a trend where like you know, Jason was really good in the strength and conditioning world, good with the programming, but maybe he didn't have that meet day experience yet but what he did is he went out and learned from people he went and learned as much as he could from matt gary he went and learned from you know uh, other coaches and stuff like that to now where he can go and scout out stuff beforehand and run the numbers during and be much better because he realized he had that weakness and he had to make that improvement in order to coach those elite level lifters mm -hmm. yeah oh for sure man it's the humble we talked about this on the last podcast it's the humbleness man to be like i have holes i have flaws i am not above having to reach out for mentorship or whatever the shit. I can't be that person who just like, I can't identify or, you know, I have to like fluff it off. Some people don't have that humbleness to be able to do it. And then, um, and maybe they just don't even know. They don't know the gaps, but other people watch these battles and be like, oh, you could see if you look at the scorecard, 
situation for like your guy or girl won, but you made some mistakes and you won in spite of, but you didn't win on a handling battle. You actually won because they're just that strong, but you look at some of the numbers or the way it unfolds on the scorecard. I won't get specific here, but, and you're like, oh, you made a couple of mistakes there and it ended up not mattering because the other person's just that strong and that's the way it was. But you did make some mistakes and you see it at the national level by some people that other people probably think are really good handlers. <laughs> and it's like, oh, and this is where some really good handlers slide in DMs are like, that's why I'm glad national coaches are tough to get. How do, how do people become a U.S. national coach? It isn't that easy. I'm glad a guy like you is around and a guy like Bill's there, you know, and Canada's got a Jeff butt because it's not like what's your programming like and who's on your roster because that's not going to help you. <laughs> For me, I, I, I would kind of see it as maybe easy or lucky. Like I was just in kind of, somewhat in the right place at the right time because you know, the IPF put in some new world champion, uh, world uh, uh, championships in, and then you need national team coaches for those world championships. So, you know, when they put in the classic worlds, our current secretary, Angela was coaching all the teams, but you know, at that time we were only saying like you know, a couple sub juniors, you know, the first year they didn't have masters. They put in masters. She didn't have as big of a team. Once it got to like, they were filling out every single age division is like a hundred lifters and she couldn't handle it. And she wanted to give it up anyways. Then they broke it up into, you know, the sub-junior and junior coach, the master's coach, and the open coach. So that kind of happened to be where I was already working underneath her as an assistant for two years. And I was able to kind of slide into that sub-junior and junior spot for three years, gain experience as a head coach, and then make the transition over to open now for what's now my second year um, that's going into, you know, Sweden again. Uh, but the typical way is you have to do the USAPL coaching course. So right now they have three levels. So you have to minimum, like, you know, do the first level to be a coach on the team and gain experience plus you do your own coaching at nationals and everything like that then you can go take the second level and then it just depends on if a spot opens up you want to put your resume in and maybe eventually you're going to take the third level so that at least then you're the highest level when you put in your resume in so from there it just depends on a lot more the experience and then whether you're like you know the, the highest level or the second highest level as far as the coaching course and, and who what's in this coaching course they break down everything so they're, they're still working and the, the three levels are club level, senior national and senior international. They're trying to build up the senior national and the senior international to be like its own completely separate course and very more in detailed. But when I took all three, it was basically just one course. And I was just taking a more difficult exam, but the course goes everything from, you know, the rule book to, cause you obviously have to know the rules as a coach to know, like, you know, how to change attempts and how to protest and everything like that. Also going over some programming and also going over some, actual hands-on like we'd actually have to physically go to a rack with a bar and show the teacher and our group that we're in how we would talk and explain to someone how to set up walk out of the squat execute it same thing with the bench press and everything and deadlift and of course there was a a, uh, a test at the end so you can only go so much in detail in one day but at least you hit a little bit of all parts as far as you know programming technique and meet day handling and and do they talk about it all um, game day selection in terms of um, strategy or is that a little too or not yet it's, it, it doesn't it's, go that deep yeah it's very basic attempt selection strategy and they have different coaches so sometimes some coach may be able to like you know go over through some stuff faster and spend some more time and sometimes some of the coaches will bring the actual equipment so the coaches can see what raw is versus what equip, equipped is so it just depends a little bit on the class 
recently they've also been doing it online because obviously with the pandemic and the lockdowns they couldn't do it in person so i'm not sure how in detail the the online goes but it's it's meant to be especially the club levels you get a basic overview of everything then you're supposed to actually go out into the world and do the like you know the on the job training game experience coaching your own team maybe working underneath the coach and then coming back hopefully eventually they build up the senior national and senior international where you can go more in detail into those topics you really do need on like game time, you know, in terms of uh, to build some strategy and mentorship, but you have to be able to like ask questions on mentorship though. Cause some people, it seems like their game time strategy is almost just bring you into RP 10 and um, rock and roll till the end and see what happens. And it's not <laughs> like recognizing what's happening on reading the scorecard and making decisions like that necessarily. I think maybe some of the newer coaches may like one, cause they don't know how it works. And, and two, they might be too scared to talk to some of the more experienced coaches, but I have seen little bits here and there, like at a local meet or nationals where like a new coach is kind of like working underneath a bigger name coach and like helping them in the warm room That's and learning good. kind of stuff like that to gain that experience. For me, it was like, um, 2014 when a couple of my my buddies made the team for world i went with them and so that way in the warm-up room i met bonica i met kimberly i met mike t i met uh, ray and i was loading all the weights from them and learning stuff and uh, basically on the job again and so that's another way that you can get it going and then also you can do some online stuff like the strength guys jason likes doing his like you know quarterly internships where he goes over to programming, but also goes over to the meet day handling, goes over how they do the scouting, everything like that. So you can kind of go over different scenarios in person online um, versus having to actually do it in person, like at a competition. Dog, that's one of like, I'm a powerlifting nerd where that's something that I anticipate to see is like the battles and like, especially at the world level, when you have international coaches and some of these coaches are coming from nations where they're paid professionals. Like the government is going to pay for their flights, uh, throw a little money. Like they, this is what they do. So they take it extremely, you know, you got like a Datemeyer in there or, you know, um, I forget the Swedish lady's name, but they're like, they're sharks. And if you don't know what you're doing, they're going to smell blood in the water. And, uh, and they know all the rules and they know all the attempt selections that they're supposed to do. And they're all very well versed. And that's like part of the bet, like the best parts of the world championships, like the level of handling at worlds there gets no uh, IPF world championships. It gets no better because there is no more um, at certain nationals. You'll have like a lot of big name programmers handling and they're okay handlers, but they're phenomenal programmers. But at the world level, Nobody gives a shit about how good your programming is. So that doesn't matter. It's all phenomenal fucking handlers. It's the best of the best. And, um, and that's like, I don't know. Is there any better do you think in terms of handling in terms of an event? Yeah. I mean, I would have to say that one, like, I mean, just cause like same as the lifters, you get all these lifters from all these different member federations come and uh, it's lifters that you may have not competed against before. And you don't know what they do as far as like, you know, how strong they've gotten or like that. Similar thing with the coaches, all these coaches are coming from different countries. You don't know what kind of experience they have, what kind of training they've gotten and what kind of strategy they use. But you assume that they've all either taken like the IPF coaching course or maybe some kind of national coaching course. They've gotten experience at the local and national level and they, they know the rules, everything like that. And they're coming in with a plan to, you know, yeah, make those individual wins, make those team wins, bring back trophies for their country, bring back money for their country, especially for those ones that do get money compared to like, you know, U S and Canada where, where we're not getting anything out of it. 
Unless you're sponsored by SBD Playboy. But but again, that's like the individuals. But for like like you said, for some of these countries, maybe the coaches are getting paid or the the country, the member federation is getting paid. And so it's much more important to them the team points and the team strategy versus some people here, like some people for like USA people say, Oh, I don't care about the team points, I just care about myself. Uh, because obviously they're paying for all their own, own expenses and the team trophies don't really do as much here. So it's like a different, different mentality there. And I've actually had some coaches come to me before because, you know, USAPL is pretty big and US is pretty big. We're pretty big with social media. A lot of these coaches like, you know, may have heard some, some of these big name coaches and they'll come and talk to me like, oh my God, like, you know, this guy, this coach coaches like all these top lifters and stuff like that. But like, oh, same thing, like you said, oh yeah, I saw him screw up at your nationals with this or like, oh, this guy doesn't know anything about programming. But they understand they're a big name and they 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 have all these stars like that. But like they're they're specific when they come to worlds is they know everything about meat day handling. They know the rules. They know how to run a map. They know the system, how to read it. They know how to protest. And then they're like, oh, this guy might be really good at programming, but I'd beat them head to head on meat day handling. One hundred percent. Yeah, dude. There is powerlifting nerds who are like, good, good. You're an excellent programmer. But when it comes to the game day. Yeah, like only it's it's weird. It's like a weird skill that very few people could see. And it's actually surprising. Certain people I talk to, I know can't see it because they talk about certain people like they're sharks when they're not sharks. And I'm like, ah, if you can't identify a shark, then you don't actually know, which is surprising how some people don't know. Like some people talk about some goldfish like they're sharks. Like, ah, man, that's disappointing you didn't know. But other people were in group chats or people I talked to in DMs, no. And they're like, fuck, man, it kills me. This is, you know, yeah, exactly what you said. And it's funny how there's people all over the world that appreciate it to that extent. Like it's a it's a chess match. And when they see you at the, at the world level, they're like, fuck, Aryan. And they'll know exactly. And it's funny that they might be like, I've watched you with Ron Nats. What was that guy thinking? You know, nobody actually notices. Uh, it is what it is, but. It is what it is. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know how much you watch NFL, but like Tony Romo used to be a Dallas Cowboys quarterback. He wasn't the best quarterback, but now he does the commentary. And he's just very good at seeing things and seeing the lineups and calling the plays from a third-person perspective. And he's like, oh, no, they're screwing this up. Or, oh, no, they're going to run this play. I could see some of those coaches like, yeah, watching our U.S. Nationals and be like, oh, no, they're screwing that up. Just look at the scoreboard in the live stream. Exactly. And they're like, what is happening here? And if they're, if their lifter wins anyways, they're like, okay, you're going to totally think you're an, am- an amazing handler when you actually don't know, like, holy shit, you're lucky you have this, you're a phenomenal programmer and have people as strong as you do, because that was dicey calls here and there. Um, but anyways, my friend, we're getting close to 11 back to back podcast, just pumping out content right here, but the nominations were in and we had to get these out. Um, I think we hit up all the talking points. Keep in mind, everybody, this is just because the nominations, preliminary nominations for the IPF World Championships is now closed. The roster will not change with anyone new coming on. But uh, so no new names will enter, but some names might change weight classes and some names might drop out and we'll keep you abreast of the situation. Right, my man? Yep. Final nominations are due September 2nd. So we got some time and then um, we can start going and breaking down more going into worlds. Yeah. We're also going to be obviously belting off podcasts with people from the IPF world championships roster leading into the IPF world championships. So 
If there are people on the roster you want us to get on the podcast, let us know and we'll start booking them. And a lot of these people are international lifters and we are going to get some interpreters and get them on the show. And, uh, and that's that. Anything else, Aaron? You think we pretty much hit it, my man. We're all good. All right. Until next time, everybody. Peace.